electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi there, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, Amazon shares taking a hit after the company's quarterly report, and same for Apple. Apple's like everybody else. They can't get away from the same problems everybody else has. Widely watched analyst Tony Sakanagi on what's going on. Supply chain has had a significant impact on Apple for most of the last few quarters. There's a real question on how big that range could be. And speaking of Apple, we're counting down to the annual meeting of Berkshire Hathaway, which owns about 5.5% of Apple's outstanding shares. CEO of Berkshire subsidiary company Brooks Running joins us. Jim Weber's sharing supply chain woes and business optimism. We lost 45% of our footwear production over a three-month period. That's a discrete problem for us. You can't make that up. And we're taking a turn into Margaritaville with all our favorite Buffets. I think that Jimmy Buffett is like, he may turn into Warren Buffett. He's got a lot of business interests now. It's Friday, April 29th, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Osorkin along with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick who is reporting this morning live from the Berkshire Hathaway Annual Meeting in Omaha, Nebraska, with a huge lineup. Good morning to you, Becky. I'm looking forward to, uh, to the lineup and seeing this amazing weekend. Yes, thank you, Andrew. Good to see you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing you too, Andrew. Good morning from Omaha, everybody. Our coverage is going to begin tomorrow at 9.45 a.m. Eastern time, and it pretty much goes the entire day. From 10.15 a.m. to 1 p.m., Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and Vice Chairs Greg Abel and Ajit Jain are going to be on stage answering questions from shareholders. We'll have a halftime show that runs from 1 to 2 p.m., leading up to the afternoon session of questions and answers. It should all wrap up sometime after 5 p.m., so it is a big day, and you can only see it on cnbc.com slash Buffett or on the CNBC app. And guys, we've been coming here for a lot of years. Um, I don't know, 15, 20 years or something. This is a place where every year they had drawn more and more shareholders. I think we got up to about 40,000 the last time that this was held in person, which was three years ago. Um, you check things out today and the, the stage, uh, things look pretty much the same. This is the convention center where so many of the Berkshire companies set up displays for the shareholders to come through. We're sitting right next to Dairy Queen where you can go through and get a dilly bar if you want. We've got Duracell really? Power behind us. You've got Geico where you can take your picture with the gecko. Seize Candy is here. Um, so many of these companies that, that Berkshire owns are here presenting, but things are a little different this year. They're trying to take precautions because of COVID. You have to be vaccinated in order to get in the door. You have to show your vaccine card or, or show it on clear. Um, and, and there are going to be probably few were people coming just because of COVID or because of having to have a vaccine, um, not to mention that people have kind of gotten used to watching this uh, show on air to be able to see all of these things uh, brought to you on the live streaming show that we're going to be doing this weekend from CNBC. Um, they have spread things out. The, the booths are a little further spread apart to hopefully break down on some of the, the crowding together in some of these places, but we'll see what happens. Again, last time that we did this, there were 40,000 people that came. They are anticipating some pretty huge crowds this time around too. Um, 
this is the floor before all of this happens. This is kind of the quiet before the storm. You will see um, lots and lots of shareholders coming in here. And of course, they're all coming to hear Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger to hear their views on so many things that are happening right now. It's It's been a year since we've talked to Warren Buffett on camera uh, here on CNBC, and he has not really spoken publicly about a lot of the things that have happened. Um, we know in the annual shareholders letter that he put out in February, he was talking about how he looked around and didn't see any any uh, bargains really in the market. But then after that, we have heard about a lot of deals, some money that he's really put down, whether that was buying Occidental. I think he sent about, spent about $7 billion on Occidental, spent $11 billion to buy Allegheny, the insurance company, uh, full out, and then also spent about $4 billion on shares of HP. So that's what we've kind of watched happening. You wonder what he's thinking about the market right now, especially with all this volatility that's taking place and the big drop that we've seen in stock prices lately. And I think that's probably going to be a lot of what's on shareholders' minds as they come here. Questions about the Federal Reserve, inflation, how these companies are preparing, the supply chain, all those questions that we're, they're thinking about with so many of these other companies that we're hearing, like Apple, which, by the way, yeah. uh, makes up a huge part of the a Berkshire Hathaway Apple. portfolio. They've, yeah, they've, a lot right, of Apple, a lot yeah. of Apple, something like $148 billion which is a big chunk of the $330 billion portfolio that um, mm -hmm. Buffett and Todd Combs and, and, and Ted, the three of them managing that money, um, it's picks that come in from Charlie, too. So it's yeah. a big deal. It's a really huge part of their portfolio, too. How far is the Dairy Queen uh, booth? Uh, I can spit to there from here. Oh, man. You Dairy, jealous? So I think, yeah, C's, I'd probably be there, I, I would think, loitering. Um, <laughs> C's, not so much, although I like those. The peanut uh, brittle is really good. And, you know, you always hear people would never mention, you know, the gender issues. They'd never mention that if I say you look really good, that means, oh, you'd never say that. But that's not true. I would say that about Andrew. I would say, Andrew, your lighting is beautiful. Your hair looks good. You have. And, but, and it is I the have. lighting, Joe. So it's got nothing to do with that. Thank but you. that is a great shot you have, Becky. And your hair. Thank, thank you. you. You stole Spressa. You stole my uh, the person that does uh, the I stuff. Did. Right. I did. And, and, and I can tell because it's beautiful and then you i saw mac you Thank stole you. mac too i saw my, whose hair looks yeah, mac, bizarre come here. he's mad yeah you stole hair, espressa and you stole espressa and mac <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks so, everybody, so becky gets what becky wants so, yeah, okay uh yeah and andrew and then you're gonna steal what andrew Leave more do. importantly but yes. uh no it's a great shot you have <laughs> yeah. and it's really uh it's gonna be well, great thank you and it has been. Um, yeah, every, I'm we're backed about up it. on everything. The information from Buffett, back, you know, this pandemic through, you know, two years of not normal uh, stuff. So it's great that we get, you know, get back yeah. to normal on that. Amazon shares are falling sharply. The company posted its first quarterly loss in seven years, slowest sales growth since 2001. And Amazon took a $7.6 billion hit on its investment in Rivian. Rivian, those are the uh, Thomas the Tank Engine little things, right? They all have faces. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's lost, lost more than half of its value uh, in the quarter. And then there's the outlook for the current quarter. The street was looking for $125.5 billion in revenue. And now Amazon is projecting it will bring in between $116 and $121, uh, $121 billion. So that quite a bit uh, of a little haircut there. It attributes the slowdown to macroeconomic conditions and uh, the war in Ukraine. Elon Musk, now we know. We, remember we saw uh, the uh, huge sell-off from uh, like around 1,000 and then the Tesla down to 900. Well, Elon Musk was selling roughly $4 billion worth of Tesla shares after he made his bid uh, to take Twitter private. This is in a new SEC filing. 
Uh, and the fi as the uh, filings became public, Musk tweeted, no further Tesla sales are planned after today. It's unclear whether uh, Musk sold more Tesla shares yesterday, though, because the filings only cover uh, trades that he made on Tuesday and Wednesday. That shows it's kind of a uh, self-fulfilling problem, right? You, you, you probably we should have assumed that he was going to sell some, but then that makes the bid, throws the bid into question when the currency that makes him worth a quarter of a trillion dollars, when that's plunging, I think that's one of the reasons Twitter was nowhere near 54.20. And then he's right. got to sell, as, as it goes down, he's getting less for each share that he sells to cover what he's, right. so it is a So what do you think the chances are? Right I, now, I, I, I don't think, know where Twitter is I think he's going to do it because he just, he feels like he said he's going to do it, so I think he's going to do it. And you saw what he said about running it. He said, you don't think I can run this place with a subscription service? I'm going to lay off some people, job cuts. He said, look at how I've, uh, I've managed to, to run Tesla and SpaceX. I know how to run a company, and I'm going to know how to run this. So we'll see. I don't know. There's, it's still questionable. Andrew, what, where is it? 40, 49? It's not 54. No. And it's only a billion bucks to walk. Right. I mean, I, know, I say only a billion dollars to walk, which right. sounds crazy, but... There is a little bit of, of the ego part that goes into it, too. The more people yes. say he can't do it, the more he's yes. going to try and want to prove them wrong. Like, go ahead. Tell me I can't. Um, exactly. Uh, but it, if you looked at where he was selling, he started selling, because I looked through the filing really quickly, and I think he started selling at $933 and change, went all the way down to $904 and change. Um, and again, as you mentioned, we don't know if he was selling uh, yesterday, too, um, just based on what he said. Sounds like he was. The filing only covered three right. couple days ago. It looked like that's, it, what yeah. I, that's what I thought. Kind of a, but how much of the pressure was from him selling alone yeah, and, and nobody and, there to kind of catch it? And, and when that pressure it. is relieved, does the, does the normal buying the Tesla always get? Because the results were good. Right. And does that just come back? Was that what has right. been? Was that the only thing that's been depressing Tesla? Is Elon selling himself? It's up twenty eight today. Up, up pretty well, good today. Three. Well, three remember, percent. Amy Wu told us the other day the retail um, yeah. investor has really been there for the last two years, propping that right. up and, and a lot of options, options trading taking too. place underneath every time it's sold. They, they weren't there this week, but, you know, maybe that, that's a big question. She said she wouldn't bet against them because they've been there pretty consistently the last couple of years. We'll see. So is my makeup okay anyway, today, um, Becky? I mean, you know, I know see. it's all about, you know, but you got to look good for Berkshire. You do. You uh, look gorgeous. You know, for two years, I didn't have You anybody. do look gorgeous. For two years, I didn't have anybody. I, I know, I got, same. And Andrew, you got pretty good at it, too. We're all capable of doing it ourselves. Yeah, we it's are. Just other, people, other people are better at it. I mean, I feel, I guess, I don't know, I'm used to it, but, you know, the brush and the, it's, it's not pleasant. Oh, and you need I, some I would, love. You know what, Joel? I'm going to get you some candy well, from Seas. I wouldn't season. want anyone there watching. I wouldn't like want my wife riddle, and kids watching lollipops. me. You know, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't, I hope no one ever videotapes me putting I'm going to start on. doing your makeup, Joe. How about that? I'll come in early and I'll do your makeup in the morning. That we got to see. That will put out, right. you know, we'll put that out on, the, on uh, CNBC.com. That's a, that's a good idea. Pay-per-view pay <laughs> on CNBC Pro. Put that on Pro, behind the paywall. Next on Squawk Pod, more on Elon. Closely watched Wall Street analyst Tony Sakanagi on Tesla's and Twitter's stock drops. This is a pretty big and liquid stock. And if he were to re incrementally reduce his position a couple more percentage points, that's not significant within daily trading volume. I think what is a bigger concern is just the potential distraction. Plus, Apple's warning to investors has its stock dipping lower too. We'll be right back. Canva presents unexplained appearances. 
It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. I'm Cameron Costa. Up and Andrew Q. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick, who's in Omaha this morning, getting ready for a very special event. That special event is, of course, the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Over 40% of Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio is in Apple stock. Buffett owns about 5.5% of outstanding Apple stock, a stake that he's been building up since 2016. In 2020, he said, it's more than just an investment. I don't think of Apple as a stock. I think it's our third largest business. Every year, shareholders ask Warren about Apple, and this year likely won't be any different, especially after the company's shares dipped after its quarterly report yesterday. Apple warned that things might be tough in its next report. I'll toss it back to Andrew. The company beating estimates on nearly every metric. The company uh, and board maintaining the pace of the buyback so far, authorizing an additional $90 billion that after spending $88 billion in buybacks last year. But a lot of attention on the outlook, and this is it. Apple didn't provide official revenue guidance, but the CFO warned that supply constraints could hurt sales by as much as $8 billion in the current quarter. So um, Apple not... Uh, <laughs> Apple's like everybody else. What's, in Us magazine, they say they're, they're like us. They're like us. They're like everybody. Yes. They, can't, they can't get away from the, the yeah. same problems everybody else has. And I think that's what's so interesting, that just them saying they're not immune to these supply chain issues. I think people have looked at Apple and people have looked at Tesla and thought that they could kind of deal with some of these things, especially the bigger companies that have worked through some of these things. But this has been the the topic that we've been talking about for, you know, a couple of weeks now with the China lockdowns, these rolling lockdowns. And if Gottlieb's right, uh, former FDA, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former head of the FDA, if he's right and these lockdowns are going to continue and be the norm in China, uh, for some time to come, uh, you, you just have to wonder what that's going to mean, because these are the inflationary pressures that the Fed can't do anything about. The, the, uh, I was blown away by this, this piece in the journal. I don't know if you have access to you get it online, Beck or, or Andrew, but uh, just why Xi Jinping has to stick to this zero COVID policy and what it really means and, and where we are right at 45 cities now, total lockdown, 45 cities, 373 million people, even more cities actually are in de facto uh, lockdown, and it harkens back to ni- all the way to 1958, and, and um, uh, some moves made by Mao Zedong back then. With it, it, I didn't even know any. Of it. It, it involved sparrows, and everyone went out and killed. Do you remember this? Killed sparrows, 
no. uh, because sparrows no. were eating a lot of the grain. He said he could sa- save so many people if oh yes, if no, I've got, read about this. Got rid of all the sparrows. Unfortunately, that ushered in a locust plague, in which tens of millions of people ended up dying from the the subsequent famine. And and that's all fresh, not fresh, but happened before. And they're drawing some parallels to that. That he's staked his his reputation and the party congress is coming up and it's, it's all based on the zero covid policy and that's what i'm just referencing that you said it's going to affect everyone it is going to affect everyone if this stays the way it I is mean, how many people did China, you say 368 363 million or something that's more than the population yeah, of the united states more than the u.s 373 million people that's 40 40% of china's uh, gross domestic product comes from those areas so there's just no way that the, the ripples of this aren't going, aren't going to be felt, and, and Apple is the one. Uh, yeah, they're us. Supply constraints uh, could hurt sales by as much as $8 billion in the qu- current quarter. Joining us now, Tony Sakanagi, uh, Bernstein Senior Research Analyst. It's a pretty big number. How, how confident uh, are you, uh, Tony, that, that that's the, in the right ballpark for, for what we're talking about? And, and how... What do you think the standard deviation uh, on, on what actually happens will be? Could it be double that or half that? Uh, good morning, Joe. Um, it is a big number, four to eight billion in terms of the potential impact. Uh, but I would note that uh, two quarters ago, Apple talked about a revenue impact of being greater than six billion dollars in the quarter. And the quarter prior to for that, before that, they had talked about a six billion dollar impact. Uh, so supply chain has had a significant impact on Apple for most of the last few quarters. I, I think you're right. There's a real question on how big that range could be. Look, Apple is is about as good as anyone in terms of supply chain management. The factories that were shut in April have largely restarted. And so this is principally a bet on the ramp uh, of restarting and whether you could have incremental COVID outbreaks that could push that back. Um, So look, never say never, if China completely shuts down and you have significant facility shutdown, it could be dramatically worse. The encouraging part is these facilities, many of these facilities, these are partner assembly facilities had been shut. They're now now all re-ramping. Because yeah, nobody knows. That was what I was alluding to. And and, uh, just reading some of the the analysis today about what what is possible in China with President Xi and, and all the, you know, what he may be thinking about in this zero COVID policy, it factors into how big that or how small that number could be. But uh, up to this point, has anyone been better at, at maneuvering and navigating around those issues? So that's, that's the other thing. That's why maybe it could be far less than than eight billion. Uh, look, I think if COVID is benign, Apple will likely end up at the low end of the range of that impact. Historically, they've been pretty conservative in their guidance. And again, I think a couple quarters ago, the impact from largely component availability was six to seven billion. This quarter, it was probably only one to two billion. Just switching gears, we don't necessarily have that much uh, time, Tony. The uh, the overhang on Tesla, given that uh, we don't know how Elon Musk is going to finance the Twitter buy. Is that, does that factor into your thinking on Tesla? I'd say less his uh, selling of shares, uh, because this is a pretty big and liquid stock. And if he were to re- incrementally reduce his position a couple more percentage points, that's not significant within daily trading volume. I think what is 
a bigger concern is just the potential distraction. As as brilliant as Elon is, uh, he was already spread thin uh, across his companies, and he seems to have a lot of energy and focus right now on Twitter. And so the the concern ultimately is um, will will Tesla be impacted by having less of Elon Musk uh, at the tiller? I think I could fix Twitter in like five five minutes, Tony. I think Elon thinks that too. Stop doing what you've been doing uh, unilaterally to one side of the aisle. That might fix it. So I, I don't think this, uh, that's a distraction. I, I think the overhang on the stock, it's, it was obvious to anyone, Tony, what was going on. I mean, it was so obvious. It, it, it's like, it's scary. You didn't need to see that 98.7% of political contributions from uh, all those uh, people out in, in the San Francisco headquarters or wherever it is. Uh, you didn't need to to do much analysis to figure that out. So I don't know if it takes him that. And aren't you surprised that, that he felt that strongly about, <laughs> about that issue, that he bought the whole company with, with no, uh, no thought of how it could impact Tesla or himself or his reputation? I, I mean, I, I think uh, Elon is, is driven by what he believes in. And yeah. um, ultimately, he has great confidence in him, his abilities. Sure does. And I think his, his, his belief was, look, this needs to be fixed. I can do it. I have the bandwidth and I can continue to manage multiple companies in an unaffected way. And, you know, to that extent, you have to give him credit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So uh, you sound pretty sanguine on on Apple. I think you you have a buy, you you'd still buy those shares, and and I guess Tesla. You're not that worried. Tesla. I think Elon thinks Tesla's going to two thousand, three thousand, four thousand anyway. So what does he care if he if he sells some at uh, for lower than a thousand? Do you think he thinks that? No. I, I mean, again, I I think you know Elon Musk is is not necessarily a net worth uh, right. You know, counter it's they. You know, his his belief is really driving an electrified world, and so right. to the degree that you know his net worth goes down a little bit in the short term, I don't think that's a principal concern for him. Exactly, me neither, Tony. Me neither. I don't. I don't think about uh, fluctuations in in my net worth uh, that often. Um, I actually was just thinking about it. Tony. Thank you. Good. Good to have you on. Um, appreciate it. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, how Brooks running CEO Jim Weber grew the brand and its shoes over the last two decades. You took over a company that was facing bankruptcy. There was an office pool that suggested you might stick around for four months would be how long you lasted before you were out the door too. I knew that this could be a great business and a brand. And so that's why I've stayed. And then we're heading to Margaritaville in Omaha, Nebraska. More than one special guest will be at the Berkshire Annual Meeting. He says that he wrote it in about six minutes, and it has turned into this amazing, amazing lifestyle brand. Jimmy Buffett, Warren Buffett, and much more right after this. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin in Times Square and Becky Quick in Nebraska. We are live from Omaha, Nebraska this morning and counting down to Berkshire Hathaway's annual meeting, which will be in person for the first time in three years. Our next guest is part of the Berkshire family. Let's welcome Brooks Running CEO Jim Weber. His new book is called Running with a Purpose, How Brooks Outpaced Goliath Competitors to Lead the Pack. Um, Jim, thank you so much for being here today. It's great Um, to be back in Omaha. Thanks, Becky. I want to talk about your book in just a moment because it's an incredible, inspiring story. I love it. But Let's first start off with the supply chain issues. Yeah. You, you have been, uh, like every other company, zigging and zagging to try and deal with supply chain issues. You moved mm-hmm. your supply chain to, to Vietnam mm-hmm. from China to make sure that you didn't get caught in a lot of things. But everywhere around the globe has been stuck with things. Where, where do things stand right now? You know, Becky, it's been <clears throat> two-pronged for us because there's the first is is sort of single points of, of, of risk if you have a factory that was quarantined in southern Vietnam. So that area was quarantined for over three months completely. So we lost 45% of our footwear production over a three month period. That's a discrete problem for us. You can't make that up. It probably will cost us over 300 million in revenue last year in Q4 and this Q1. So that's come through now, but we've recovered. That's the good news. Then there's the overall supply chain that almost affects everyone that's moving goods around the world. We've been impacted by that too. So generally speaking, costs are way up, especially in air freight. And our lead times went from 45 to 90 days. And that sustained itself. We're seeing some improvement. And then, of course, we're optimizing around that small boats and smaller ports and all of that. So like everyone, we're reacting to it. But I believe hopefully that's a bubble because there was a rush in demand for so many goods. And and we think that's going to normalize out over the next year. And with that, we think the supply chain on logistics side will as well. The consumer demand has been so strong to this point. Have you been able to raise costs to deal with the higher costs that you're dealing with? Yeah, we don't have unlimited pricing power, but we have taken selective price increases where we think we can. Um, and but our whole industry is so competitive. It's a big marketplace. But we've done that where we can. Um, but but we don't have unlimited pricing power. So we d- I do believe in supply chain that costs are going to mediate a bit. What 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 are you seeing with consumer demand? You you think that demand is going to come down? Are you seeing it already, or are people yeah. still running like they were during the pandemic? So for us, we follow participation. People are running and they're outside and they're walking and it's sticky. So a lot of people that started in the pandemic, we think they're going to stick with it, especially in the frequent runner side. So we're definitely seeing that, but it's moderated. We're not seeing the growth that we saw in participation early on. On the retail side, since a lot of footwear and apparel um, doesn't go out for a run always. We're actually seeing some a little bit of softness in Q1. Uh, it's flattened out a little bit. Um, some in the industry think that's somewhat due to the stimulus um, in, in consumers' hands. It's not there this year. I think that has less impact on our customer. Um, when they need running gear, they're going to buy good running gear. Jim, let's talk about your book. It's yeah. fantastic. Running with a Purpose. Um, I knew parts of the story, but not as much as I know now. And yeah. I'm even more impressed. This is a company that you took the the helm in 2001 
I think they had had four CEOs in the yep. months leading up to that. In, in two couple, years. In two years leading up to that. So you took over a company that was facing bankruptcy. There was an office pool that suggested you might stick around <laughs> for four months would be how long you lasted before you were out the door too. Um, what happened? How did you turn it around? You know, first of all, I, I'd run several businesses before that and they were all turnarounds and Brooks was a turnaround at that point. But I saw a, a great category in running. I was a runner and it's the largest category in all of sporting goods. And it's not just a great sport, it's fitness and investment in yourself. So, so I knew there was an opportunity there and we didn't have to sort of beat anyone to be successful and to, and to survive and be profitable. So that was phase one is, is to get the business on a good footing. And it happened with great shoes. The ghost and the, the adrenaline saved this company in so many ways. Now it's the, one of the top two shoes in the marketplace in the U.S., and the number one is the ghost. We have the top two shoes. So, so it was very much product driven, but I knew that this could be a great business and a brand. And so that's why I've stayed. I played through Berkshire Hathaway is our fourth owner. Right. And so in the book, I really wanted to tell that story. It's a great story. And, and Berkshire Hathaway came in. What, what year was it? 2000 and. So we were part of Fruit of the Loom in an acquisition. So we came into the Berkshire uh, uh, Enterprise in probably 2006. And then in 2012, Warren spun us out as a standalone company. Yeah, and that's a huge vote of confidence in, in yeah. you as a manager. They don't do that very often. And I think in Brooks and the opportunity that we had, which we've always kept in front of us, we, we have the opportunity to build a great brand and great business. So You, you have uh, taken not only the struggles in the business, but you've had your own personal setbacks with, with, with a bout with cancer uh, yeah. a few years ago. Well, and I, I included that in the book. I wanted to write about Brooks, but a lot of people advised me, Jim, you got to tell your story too. So I included a chapter about that. I don't recommend cancer. It's awful. But I'm in year five now. I believe it's it's gone and it's out of my body. And uh, the treatment was 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 a challenge. But uh, I'm here, which is wonderful. So I'm, I'm glad to tell that story. You learn a lot about yourself, I think, when you when you are challenged. And, and I certainly did. And I share that. And you you wanted to stay with the company and keep running things. I have the that. best job on this floor. I just, you know, we're building a brand and, I, and I'm part of a team in doing that. And, you know, as I had run three businesses every three to five years and they got sold and we, we realized a lot of value. I wanted to create value. And so I just, I love what we're doing and it's a fantastic category. Well, I am so glad to see you and I want to thank you for sharing your story with the book too. Um, like I said, a lot of, learned a lot of things I didn't know and oh, it's, it's great to see you here. It's great to have you. It's fun. And uh, we'll see you again soon. All right. Thank you. I think that Jimmy Buffett is like, he may turn into Warren Buffett. He's got a lot of business interests now, Becky. And, I, and I'll tell you, I'll tell <laughs> you why, why I know this. And I'm going to embarrass mm -hmm. myself again, but, but how would that be Because you're moving different? to Margaritaville, one of the retirement communities? Because there's a million of them from, uh, that I see on Wheel of Fortune. That's where they give all of the, the, ah. resor the resort vacations now are all yeah. to Margaritaville's all and they're they're everywhere. Now I I don't know the, the the business arrangement, how that's set up with Jimmy Buffett. I mean they're called Margaritaville. Do you Maybe you can ask him about that. What what is his? Uh, well, he's he's going to talk about it. There, in fact, the reports suggest that he's any he's worth anywhere from five hundred million to a billion dollars at this point. And you know he's so loved. His music is so followed. You got parrot heads everywhere who follow him. Right. But he has managed to turn his lifestyle brand into such a huge brand at this point. Margaritaville. It started out actually with Universal Studios. If you know, there's a there's a Margaritaville. I think that was the first one right outside the Universal Studios in Orlando, where you can get this huge restaurant. Now there are Margaritavilles all over the place. Like you said, there are vacation resorts that you can do. Yes. They're doing the business of cruise lines that you can set up, but 
the, the huge thing that they have down in Florida, they're building the third Margaritaville, like I call it a retirement community. It's for, for people 55 and up where they build hundreds and thousands of, of houses that are being built right now and two of them that are up and running. And this is a lifestyle hangout place where people yep. have these gorgeous houses. They live in Margaritaville. Um, it turns, it turned, you know, these are people who want to live the lifestyle. They want to hang out. They have uh, a Margaritaville like pool and restaurants and different. Yeah. And they ride around in golf carts. Everybody has golf carts in the community because they have all kinds of fun nights that they show up for. And these are people who are extroverts and they have worked hard their whole life and they want to kick back and relax. And yeah. uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett bought one of the homes in one of these places, too. We'll, we're we're going to talk to him about all of these things because you're right. He is a major brand and a major businessman on, on top of having, you know, pretty great life and kicking well, back yeah. and if talking Pat about not working hard. He worked Vanna, hard. If, if Pat and Vanna give the thumbs up, I mean, that's all I need to see. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I want to. And someday, with you 55 and up, someday that could work for me, uh, theoretically. Someday. Um, yeah. yeah, like in a few years for me, too. It's, uh, <laughs> I, but I, I have to say, it's pretty cool. I've been reading about these things. And, it, you know, a lot of these are, are, are people who, again, worked hard their whole life. They want to kick back. They want to be in active communities where they're playing pickleball, where they're doing, like, water aerobics and doing things. It's not like what you think of with, like, old people retiring and doing things. These are empty nesters who want to have a community. And a lot of times at home, we're not hanging out with all the people on the streets or different things. This is different. They literally yeah. have golf carts so they can drive each other around Amazing. and they have the golf carts so they can drive home after they've had a few margaritas. So that's what he's worth. So he's like a billion, almost a billionaire now. And, but I mean, he made so much I don't much know. Money the with, reports with that I've seen music have seen, too. Yeah. And then add this on top yeah. of that, you know, because if you've sold, I, how many records has he sold? Uh, millions and millions. And, you no. know, even if yeah. you only get a... So, so if just from that, he's got to be worth hundreds. And, then and he he's still touring. I mean, he's here tomorrow morning. Uh, today's Friday, right? He's here tomorrow morning, but tomorrow night he's got to take off because I think he's doing a live show in, in Virginia Beach or somewhere. So this is, I think if he never, you know, I mean, that is amazing. This is a guy who that, works that, hard that for in, the good that life. Entire, if that song had never been written, I don't know whether he wrote it personally or, or whatever. But Wasting what, what away. He did. Yep. He wrote it in about six minutes. Part of it he wrote on on the bridge where he was stuck in traffic, and part of it he wrote like after having a couple of margaritas down in, in Key West. So he, he says that he wrote it in about six minutes, and it has turned into this amazing, amazing lifestyle brand i can i mean you combine you know good tequila and that drink with good mexican food and i mean i'm not surprised that it's a brand in and of itself right we all love a good margarita that is the podcast for today tomorrow is saturday so go grab yourself a margarita we won't judge and tune into cnbc.com the main event it's the berkshire hathaway annual meeting live on cnbc.com slash buffett or on our trusty cnbc app you'll hear from jimmy buffett bill murray and of course the oracle himself it all starts at 9.45 a.m. Eastern, mimosa hour, if you will, with on-the-ground coverage, a halftime show, and all the shareholder questions asked of Berkshire CEO Warren Buffett and his partner, Charlie Munger. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, you know what to do. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Monday. And in the meantime, cheers. We are clear. Thanks, guys.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.